this series last week, God with us. We took it from this scripture here where it's the foretelling of Jesus coming and it's found in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. It says, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We serve a God. We love a God. We uh, have given our lives to a God who is with us. He's among us. It's, it's, it's not an idea of his. It's, it's who he is. It's in his name. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's not God just off in some other place watching us. He's not God watching us, even though he is. But he's not God just off somewhere praying for us, even though the scripture says he's interceding for us. He's not God who's up in heaven, gone and just preparing a place for us someday to be with him in eternity, even though he is doing that. He is God who is with us. That changes everything. We don't serve a God who's a statue that we go and worship that was made by man. We don't serve and worship a God that uh, the only relationship or connection we have is through uh, some thing that we pray to or chant to or, or some religious like, dude. no, we have a God who's active in among us, Emmanuel. God is with us. It changes everything, it changes everything that we live. The whole plan from God was in the beginning, Adam and Eve, God was with them in the garden. Then sin came in and messed it up. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to be what? With us here on earth to show us how to live so that he could be a God. The scripture says we don't have a God who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all ways was tempted, but was without sin. He was a God who came to earth, incarnation, to be a God who can be like, I get it. I'm with you. I know what it's like. But then he's also a God who through that provided salvation so that John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, we believe we get to spend eternity with God. Why? Because God's plan always is to be with us. We serve a God who wants to be with us. And so we dove into that and that it matters. And so today, I want to continue it a little bit further. Why does it matter that God's with us? And what should that do to us? And what difference does it make that God is with us? Well, God is with us because we're called to be a people of action. It matters. We're, we're doers. We're active. We're going. We're, 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 we're bringing God's glory throughout our community. And so God's saying, hey, I'm with you in that. We don't have a God who's like with us to sit on the couch. We don't have a God who's with us so that we can just take up a pew. No, he sent us. He's God with us because we got something to do here. We got action to take here. Amen. The scripture actually says it even a little bit more. And you guys have heard me share this a lot. But Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And he says, hey, uh, I'm going to be with the father. But don't worry. I'm sending you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And when I send you that helper, then your mission is going to be to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to see people baptized and healed and saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. All of these things, those are all action things. Amen. Because God is with you to go make a difference. Amen. Here's what it boils down to as a Christian. We are called to know Christ and make Christ known. That's like the mission of it is we're called to be a people who continually grow in our knowledge of Christ. But at the same time, we go out and we grow and we press and we share how to make Christ known. It's not a, a call of God is with us so you can just sit around and be blessed and wait for the clock to run out until we get to heaven. No, God is with us. Emmanuel, why? Because he's called us to do great things. Amen. And so here's the deal about it is, you know, God didn't save us. You know, we, we have this mindset of like, we're called and we're saved and we're Christian because God just wants to like acquire the most property. 
Like, right? So it's like if I get saved and I believe and then there's this many Christians and then God is like happy because that many people have like changed their badge to Christian. It doesn't, it, it doesn't end there. It's not like he's just trying to, it's because he saves us. We're an army. He's called us to go then do and be, amen. And drive out darkness and shine light and make a difference, amen. That's what he's called us into. And here's the deal is it takes, and it's a word we're going to talk about the rest of our time together. It takes great obedience on our end to live that way. It takes great obedience. I would say it like this. The sermon today is this, God with us in our obedience. It all comes down to a lifestyle of obedience to God. He calls us, equips us. He saved us. He's got all these plans for us, but all of it hinges or runs on a track called obedience. Amen. The scripture says this, that the wages of sin is death. It's interesting because you say, well, I've sinned before and I haven't died. It's the same thing as Adam. The scripture says, surely when they eat of the tree, they will die. They didn't die. But what happened is the plan, God's best for their life, the plan, death entered into the, of course, garden at that time. But you understand what I'm saying. Sin, the scripture, the definition of sin is falling short of the glory of God falling short of the glory of God, not having the fullness of the way God created your life to be. That's what sin does to us. The wages of sin is lacking God's total glory. And it's funny, we live in a culture that we like sin, right? See you in hell, right? We say stuff like that. I'm on a highway to hell. We make songs about it. We make it a big deal, but it's actually a really stupid idea because nobody in this room, if I said, hey, do you want all of God's glory in your life? Do you want all of it? Do you want God's total glory for your life? You would be like, of course, but every time we justify or we make excuses for our sin, what you're saying is, I don't want all of God's total glory. I want this sin. I want to be short of God's total glory. Are you with me? And so we got to change that mindset of like, no, we don't want to make excuses for our sin and our disobedience and our not following God. No, I want all of God's glory. And so I can't have sin in my life, right? I can't have disobedience. I want all of God's glory in my life. I thought about so many people get mad at God. They make this mistake, right? They, they start sinning or they start walking in disobedience. I'm not here to beat up anybody. You're going to see by the end of the sermon, like we're all in this. I'm learning this too. And I'm going to, I'm going to build it up. God wants us to leave here built up. But I see this all the time. You know, it's like, it's like people, their life stuff will happen or, or things will go wrong in their life. And, and they're just like mad at God. They're like, why did you let this happen? Or how could this be? And, and they start feeling the wages of sin. Stuff started, you know, decaying in their life. Stuff started falling apart. The wheels are falling off. It's the result of the sin that they've been allowing in their life. And so what they end up doing is, is you know, such a small percent of their life, God is actually participating in. They say, no, God, I don't want you in that. Leave me alone in this. I need my own time in this. I got to do my own schedule. I got... And they start making God such a small percent of their life. And then when things go wrong, they go, well, God, where were you on that? Amen. He's like, are you kidding me? I'm such a small percent of this. You haven't allowed me to participate in any of this. Ungodly marriage. We, have, we run these ungodly marriages. We don't consider him. We don't work on anything righteous in our marriage. We don't consider God in our marriage. We don't participate in the things of God in our marriage. We, and, and we have these ungodly marriages. And then we turn and we look at God and we go, how could you allow that? And stuff starts to fall apart and sin starts to do its work. And we go, well, how could you? 
And, we, and same thing with our ungodly finances. We, we live the way we want. We spend the way we want. We do what we want with our stuff. And then when our money falls apart and the sin starts to do its work and the disobedience starts to do its thing, we go, well, God, how could you? And he's like, what are you talking to me about it? You've been wanting to do it on your own. Amen? Ungodly thoughts. We just think things that we shouldn't and we continue to think things we shouldn't. And then when stuff goes wrong, we go, well, God, how could you? Well, no, it's the sin and disobedience that we played patty cake with. Amen? ungodly ca calendars. I mean, literally, God has told you to number your days and spend them accordingly. You're a steward of the life that God gave you. And when things fall apart and you get burnt out and everything breaks up and your life isn't the way that you want it, you can't turn back and look at God and be like, how could you? No, we, we have to walk in obedience. We have to live the way that he's called us to and steward this well. Ungodly character. You're lying about people. You're backstabbing people. You talk negatively about people. And then you go to God and you say, God, how come you haven't given me any good people in my life? Amen. I, I, can't, I don't have anyone that I can trust. I don't have any. Well, it's because the wages of sin and disobedient cost us. We come short of the total glory of God in our life. Amen. Obedience is required. It's just required in our life. I know it doesn't preach well in American culture churches, and I know people don't get excited to hear about disobedience and obedience, and they say, well, the pastor's judging me. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm saying everything hinges on our ability to be obedient to what God has called us to do. So rebellion is a word that we know. We, we say, oh, rebellion, I understand what rebellion is. It's like, this is God, and this is what he's called me to, and we just straight up walk away from that in rebellion. We say, I'm not doing that. That's rebellion. Sin is, is where we just make choices, where sin comes in, we fall short of the glory of God. And, uh, and, and so, th th you know, there's these things, rebellion, sin, all these kinds of things that, that push us away from God. And, and here's why that matters. It's because this is the truth. God cannot participate with sin. Now, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. So that part is true. It's not like, oh, I sinned and then God flees. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's a friend that sticks closer to a brother, but he cannot bless disobedience. He cannot bless sin. He cannot bless when we make choices in our life that are not of his will. Amen. As a dad, I'll just break it down for you. He's our heavenly father, but as a dad, and I was really stubborn as a kid, and so I have a couple stubborn kids. And, and here's the deal. I will say to my kids, I love you guys, right? It's, it's time for discipline or a timeout or whatever's going on. They know I love them to death. I'm not going anywhere. I'm so in your life. I love you to death. I'm going to wait this thing out no matter how long it takes. But as a parent, I will not allow you or approve this behavior. I'm still right here. But I'm waiting for you to make your behavior change so that I can bless you into the rest of your, are you with me? It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. You've gone to places where you've seen like a parent act or uh, you've seen, you know, you've seen a parent like handle a situation. And I know you guys, I know you, I know what you do. You get back in the car and you go like, can you believe they let him get away with that? Did you see that? I can't believe that they did that. Now, here's what we do in church with the grace message. Everybody's got to be grace. Everything is great. Don't preach a message that would confront anybody or confront grace, grace, grace. Everybody, Grace, don't talk about any hard truth. Be careful what you say when they ask you certain questions as a celebrity Christian, right? Careful, careful, Grace, Grace, everything. We don't want to do any real truths, okay? And then what happens is the world looks at the church and says, do you see what they're letting them get away with? Amen. 
We need God's correction. We need God's tune-up. We need his truth to, to get us into our best kind of life. We don't want to sit around and grace, grace, grace each other into falling short of God's total glory. We want all of his glory, and that comes through obedience. Amen. It's for me in my life, I mean, it's the same way as a pastor. I, I feel the same tension as I imagine God does. There'll be time who, and, uh, oh, I'm comparing himself to God. I'm not. <laughs> Just take that out of your mind. And so people come in, and I want to help you with my whole heart. I totally want to help you get there. And I want to do all that I can in my power to help you get there. But if you're unwilling to make some of these changes, there's only so much I can do. Like there's such a thing as a road that goes off the cliff. And how silly would it be for me the whole way to just keep, hey, 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 and you're, this road will be okay. We'll be fine. And I just keep cheering you all the way off the cliff. It's silly. At some point, you got to get in front of it and say, this track has to change. And that track change is obedience. It's submission to God's way in our life. Amen. Uh, that's why I love the word repentance. I know church doesn't love the word repentance, but repentance is so great because repentance means when you repent, it means to do a 180, to make a change, to change. You know what's amazing about every time you repent and you make a change? When you turn around, who's right there? God. Because he never leaves you or forsakes you. He's with you the whole time. He's walking right with you even when you're making these decisions. But the minute you change and you turn toward obedience, he's right there. He can't bless what you're doing along the way, but he's with you. He can't approve when we make those decisions along the way, but he's never going to leave you or forsake you. Amen. Uh, spiritual maturity to me is this, and this should be our goal. This should be the track that we're trying to walk on. My opinion is spiritual maturity is when you uh, have the ability for God to speak and then you do. Speak and then you just do what he speaks to you to do. That's following God as he speaks and then you do it. The problem is in our culture is a lot of times God speaks and the before we do is way out here and a whole bunch of stuff in between. And the stuff in between is usually a lot of intelligent excuses. God, I know you spoke it, but right now, you know, I have this and this and, you know, because of this, well, in my past and you know this and I have this and we got a whole bunch of stuff in the middle before we do the do. Amen. God speaks and we do. That's why Jesus said, listen, here's how it works for me. I only do what the father tells me to do. God speaks, I do it. My heavenly father reveals it, I do it. It's the perfect model of obedience. God speaks it, we do it. It's obedience. The stuff in the middle doesn't matter. The stuff in the middle is actually God's problem. He speaks it, we step out in obedience, he handles everything else in the middle. Amen. So there's two kinds of disobedience that I think we get tangled up in. There's the first disobedience, which I said is rebellion or sin. You just say, God, I'm, I'm not doing it. I just, I'm, I'm disobedient because I'm just, I'm rebelling against it. The other one that is a disobedience that I think we make excuses for is called delayed obedience. And it's just as bad as disobedience. It's delayed obedience. God calls us to do it. And we just wait and we delay and we delay and we delay. And we make excuses and we put it off. You say, well, I don't do that. I don't really do that. Okay. Many times in our schedules, we say, oh, I'd love to serve more. I'd like to be involved more. I'd like to be able to give more about my schedule. I got all this kind of stuff. And so I could probably only serve one hour. So uh, because I could only serve one hour and I couldn't really serve the way I want to, I'm just not going to serve at all. And so we make excuses for why we don't participate in the body of Christ. Amen. We do the same thing with, with prayer. Oh, I would really want my prayer life to be like this. 
I want to get to a point where I'm praying like this and my prayer life looks like this, but because of my schedule and things and other stuff, I can't quite pray like that. So instead of offering five minutes, I'm just not going to pray at all. We make an excuse of like, I'm not going to do it until I can do it exactly this way. We do it in our finances too. We say, oh, I want to just get things cleaned up and fixed up. And I want to get in a position where I can do this. And then once I get all that in order, then I'm going to be able to give and I'm going to be able to be generous and blessed and resource. But in the meantime, I'm not going to give anything at all, even though I could give five bucks. Right? I make all of these excuses of a delayed obedience. And God is saying obedience. Amen. I thought about this. Jesus was so strong, and I love it, about how important obedience is. John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So obey it. We're talking about obedience. We're talking about walking this out. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Sounds like God with us. Dwelling with God. God with us. We're doing something together. Walking in obedience. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now I love this part. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not... I do not give it to you as the world gives it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. These two things are attached. He says, listen, if you're obedient, if you love me, if you care, if you, if you mean it like you say it, you'll be obedient. And if you live the obedient kind of life, what type of things follow? Peace, lack of fear, all of these things he says at the end. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you. Your best kind of life is what? An obedient life. We make all these excuses. No, it'd be better if I didn't obey. It would just be better right now if I focused on this and not on what God called me to be. No, the best kind of life, the victorious life is one full of peace and lack of fear is the one that's obedient to Jesus. Amen. I love Francis Chan in one of his discipleship teachings. Uh, he gives this incredible illustration that I'm going to share with you. He says this, why is it when we say that we're followers of Jesus or we're going to be imitators of God, like the scripture calls us to, we're going to do like God. That's action. Uh, he says, why is it when we say, oh, I'm a follower, how come when we played Simon Says, Simon Says, touch your head, you touch your head? How come when it says, touch your nose, you touch your nose? But when it comes to the church or when it comes to following God, when God calls us to do something, God says, hey, I call you to do this. We say things in church like this. Well, I'm, I'm doing it in my heart. You're not following the leader. Leader said, touch your head, you touch your head. How weird would it be if you're playing Simon Says, it's like, you touch your head and you didn't do it. You say, but I'm doing it in my heart. But we get away with that excuse in church. Well, my motive in my heart is I, he gives another great example where he says this. Imagine if you told your kids, hey, go clean your room. Your instruction to be obedient to is to go clean your room. And so a little bit later, your kid comes back to you and says, hey, dad, I um, want to let you know I memorized what you told me to do. I've hidden it in my heart. <laughs> I've memorized it. But we do that in church, don't we? God gives you an instruction. He's called us to go into the world and reach people, love people, see people set free. And we go back to him and we say, I'm, I'm memorizing that. I got that. What about if you came back to him and said, hey, dad, uh, I want to let you know what you told me to do. I can say that in the Greek. I know now, I now know how to say it in the Greek. Or, hey, dad, I want to let you know what you told me to go do. Uh, I've gathered up some people. We're going to do life together. 
We're going to have a small group. We're going to do life together. And we're going to talk about, we're going to break down and discuss what you told us to do. It doesn't cut it, does it? No, you know what you do? You go down there and clean your room. You know what you do? You get out in the community and you love people. And you make a difference. And you walk obediently. Amen. That's why Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? For everyone who comes to me and hears my words puts them into practice, action, obedience. And he goes on to tell a parable about the person who puts things into action, obedience into action, is like a wise builder who builds a house with a good foundation, something you can count on. Amen. Something you can build your life on. Obedience and living the way God called you to is the way that you can build a solid foundation. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What's he talking about? He's talking about the obedient person. Talking about the person who hears from God and does it, who reads the scripture and does it, who connects with other wise counsel, receives wisdom, and goes and does it. Amen. We got to be obedient people. Those are the people who accomplish God's will. Another uh, interesting statement by Francis Chan is pretty, pretty harsh, uh, but I think it's just such a good truth for us to hold on to. He says this in his latest book. Uh, it says this, no team puts up with players who refuse to contribute. No army puts up with soldiers who don't carry their own weight. Why do churches put up with Christians who refuse to serve, sacrifice, and follow the way? Why don't we treat selfishness or disobedience as sin that needs to be confronted? Right? God has called us to obedience. This whole disservice of grace, 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 only God can judge. I'm not telling anybody to judge. But I'm saying in our lives, we have to look at the facts and say, has God called me to obedience? What does the Bible say? And I need to live that. Amen. Amen. And here's why. I don't share this, and I don't even believe Francis Chan writes that to get people. Like, oh, we're going to get them with this one. Here's the truth. When you live a life that is that, that cops out, that doesn't live the way God's called us to, the loser in that situation is you. Because the fullness of God's glory is obedience and living the way that he's called us to do. When we don't live that, the loser is us. We got to live in obedience. We got to live the way God's called us to. Otherwise, you're living a less than life. God's best is in his fullness. Amen. Christians today are playing, Christians today are playing not to lose instead of playing to win. All throughout the scripture, they would come to the religion. They would say, hey, you know, like, what's the least we got to do to get to heaven? Or what's the least we got to do to keep this command or keep this thing? And so uh, we do the same thing. We say, hey, like, what's just the least I can do to be okay with God or for God to be happy? What's the very least we can do? Instead of being a people, and I believe this, it's not what's the least I can do to not lose. We need to people that think, what's the most I can obey so that I can inherit we need to live with people like, what's the most that I can give myself to so that I can continue to inherit, inherit all that God has for me? Because every time we give, we receive. Every time we say yes, God shows up and you get more. Are you with me? Yeah. It's not a, hey, what's the least we can get away with? Our lifestyle should be, what's the most we can say yes to in our obedience? Always looking for ways that we can be obedient to God. God actually backs that up in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power 
that is at work within us. God has a power in a work that is happening in us. It's alive, it's active, it's moving. It's not just sitting on the sideline. And he says this, when you say yes to obedience, when you live this lifestyle of obedience, not only is it so great for what you can comprehend, but it's even more than you can even think. Amen. I didn't make very much sense there. I'll say it again. God wants to do so much through you and your obedience and your willingness to say yes to him that it's more than you can even think. God calls you to something. Hey, will you do this? And you think you're just saying yes to that, but you don't understand the iceberg that is that yes of obedience. You just look at the tip of that and you think, oh, it's yeah, that, but behind it all, because you said yes and you were obedient, there's a whole bunch more than you could even ask or think that God wants to do. Amen. We have to walk in this obedience, in this yes kind of lifestyle. Three points for you before we take off. God wants you to live a lifestyle of automatically saying yes. Obedience, obedience, obedience. I'm going to give you three points to obedience because, again, God says it, we're going to do it. God, right? That is what we're, we're aiming for. God's going to say it, we're going to do it. We're just going to walk in obedience, walk in obedience. Now, here's the truth. Just Here's the truth. <laughs> We get scared of obedience. Let's just be honest. God calls us something. We get obedient or scared of it because it's out of our control. So the enemy tries to come in. He's like, you're going to say yes to that? You're going to do that? You're going to participate in that? And the enemy's going to start to put fear and he's going to start to put intimidation. So I got three points that are going to help you stay built up in your lifestyle of obedience. Because again, we're a people that God's going to say it and we're going to do it. Amen. God's going to say it and we're going to do it. We don't got to worry about the middle because God's going to handle the middle. So point number one that you need to know when you're walking in obedience is this. Believe that God is for you. God is for you. You just have to believe that. That every time you say yes, you have a God who is backing you. Your teammate is pretty good here. Amen? Your odds look pretty good. God, he is a God who believes in you. Uh, a lot of times the enemy comes in and says, oh, if I say yes to obedience, if I say yes to this thing, if I mess it up, God's going to get me or I'm going to be judged, or he's going to throw lightning bolts. And, and so I can't, I'm just too scared to say yes and walk in obedience and in that call because God's going to be a God who gets me. No, the scripture says that God says of the righteous, the standard of the righteous, if they fall seven times, they get back up. Don't let the enemy make you think God is looking for perfection. He's looking for obedience. Don't get that twisted. God is looking for obedience, not perfection. You go and do your best, you know, serve your best wholeheartedly. And the righteous, when they fall, they get back up seven. Are you with me? God is a God who believes in you. You have to believe that he's for you when you walk in obedience. Often, uh, so, so many times we offend God. We think we offend God by asking too much. But a lot of times we offend God by asking for too little. Because you think you got to do it on your own and God's called you to something. And we think, well, maybe we should just do it a little bit like this. And God is like, no, more than you could ask or think. And you also need to know that I believe in you and I'm for you and I'm backing you. Ask for it all in your obedience. Amen. Hearing God and obeying God is what releases the miraculous. It's not a wish that opens up the miraculous. It's not a hope that opens up the miraculous. It's when we have this relationship with God, he speaks and we do the miraculous. Heaven comes to earth. Amen. Number two, when you're walking in obedience and you're walking in what God's calling you into, when you're hearing God and you're doing it, Emmanuel, God with us, when you're living that kind of lifestyle, uh, number two is you don't believe the negative reports. 
Just don't be a person who believes the negative reports. Listen, think about it this way. There is so much stuff out there. There's so much content that you can find that literally you can order your reality any way you want. You can go on this channel and believe it to be like this. You can go on this channel and believe it to be like this. You can read this article and believe it to be like this and this one and believe it to be like this. Whatever you want your reality to be, you can go and find it to be that way. Amen. You, 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 I mean, everything that people argue about. I mean, you can take any kind of side that you want. It's like there is no more truth anymore. If there's enough of a group, it's a truth. And so it's so, incre- it's so incredibly cr- important for us to drown out negative reports, to drown out not truth. It's amazing. It's like when God gave us the Bible, it's, it's almost like he knew that there would be negativity and false reports in so many places that he had to be like, hey, just stick to this book, yeah, right? right? Yeah. Like, don't worry about any of the other places. Just stick to this thing and consume truth from here, me. Here's the deal. Every day you need to have this mindset. Every opportunity you walk into, every situation you go into, there should be two things sort of in your mind happening. You have to be thinking, in this situation, do I need to turn up the volume or do I need to turn down the volume? Because you're going to get into situations where you start hearing things, people start saying stuff, they're talking about you, they're saying, and you just got to turn that atmosphere down. There's other situations you get into where you get in and they're talking and they're, around, and they're building you up and it's life-giving and it's God's word and you got to turn those atmospheres up. You put your worship on, you get into your, your word, you don't go on the internet and start reading all these secular blogs about this and that, and all of a sudden you come in convinced that you need seven wives and all this other, right? Trying to fix your marriage, you realize you're missing wives, right? <laughs> like, I think we were, we're doing it wrong, you know? Like, no, stick to the, there's stuff you got to turn down, there's stuff you need to turn up. And the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He's going to try to get in that ear and tell you things about, oh, obedience, oh, you think that's going to work out? Oh, you're following a God you can't see? You really think that's going to? Are you with me? You got to turn up stuff and turn down stuff. Amen. I'll close with this. This is my last point. Uh, The third thing is this when it comes to obedience. You just have to do it. Uh, I forgot. They told me in first service. I forgot the Shiloh Buff video where he's like, you got to just do it. (laughs) Just do it. But that's what heaven says to us. God's called you to obedience. He's called you to just walking in it. You just got to do it. There is no perfect time. That's why it requires faith. Amen. It requires faith because there is no perfect equation. God speaks it and we do it. God speaks it and we do it. You just get out there and you do it. I love what Joyce Meyer says. She says, when you follow God or you serve God, most of the time when you're walking obedience to God, you're doing it, but you're doing it afraid. I'll tell you what, some of the most miraculous times in my life where God gave the biggest breakthroughs was when I was scared to death the most. Wife crying herself to sleep, crying in her sleep, losing homes, having to move, all of these different situations because of ministry results. But I knew God was calling. I knew God was speaking. I knew that he was prompting. Most fearful times in the natural, but staying submitted to the obedience of God. Sometimes you just do it, you do it afraid. We got to get around each other and just and just be like, do it. We got to just go do it. Amen. Yesterday I was riding dirt bikes with my son. Uh, it's been a while because of the snow and the cold and all that. And so we went to my in-laws' house and uh, they were making Christmas cookies with the girls. So I took my son out uh, to the dirt bike track at the house and uh, it's all frozen and cold and super dangerous. And so we had a blast. And so uh, he's got a little electric four-wheeler and uh, I've wrapped the tires uh, with like uh, bicycle mountain bike tires, rubber tires. 
And so it has grip out there. It can go over the jumps. Now, for the record, when my son goes over a jump, who's almost four, uh, he'll be four in April. When he goes over a jump, he's not getting air. He's not like flying around. Don't report me, okay? But uh, it's just such a just great dad moment. Yesterday we're riding and um, I'm looking back at him. I'm on my dirt bike and he's back here doing his thing. And I look back and he's like shaking the steering wheel and making it wiggle. And, uh, and like, and then he's looking back at his tracks because he's like making tracks in the mud. And um, at one point I looked and he was no hands. He was like no hands just riding. And uh, we changed his battery at one point and we were talking about riding. Like, oh, buddy, you having fun? He's like, dad, this is too slow. And I was like, oh, I'm so proud of you, son. It's too slow and it's too quiet. We need something bigger and louder, don't we, son? I'm so proud of you. And, uh, and so we're going around and uh, he was following me behind all the jumps. He's doing all the jumps, just rolling them. And we get to the biggest jump. Scott Hobbs has been riding with us and he has no common sense when it comes to motorcycles or bicycles. Trees will fall on the track. He'll be like, we can jump that. Let's just hit it. Let's just see. Let's try it. What do you think? Third? Let's just hit it. And uh, so we keep building this jump bigger and bigger. So it's got a pretty good face to it. And so I'm going around everything and Charlie's following and he's hitting everything. We get to this one and it's pretty big and pretty steep. And so when I look back, I notice that he went around it. And so I stop him, you know, I just kind of turn around. I stop him. I'm like, hey, buddy. I was like, hey, you didn't hit that jump. You didn't hit that big jump. And um, I was like, was grandma watching or why didn't you do it? Because he knows if grandma's watching, we don't hit the big jump. But I said, uh, I said you didn't hit the jump. What's happening? And he said, uh, and he's like kind of hesitant. And he said, oh. And I said, so I started telling him, like, you can hit that, buddy. It'll work. You should hit it. You should hit that one. Now, typical Charlie, he'll say two things if he doesn't want to do something he's timid about. A lot of times he'll say, I was like, hey, do you hit that jump? You should go hit that jump. And he'll either say, that, that's fine. Like, he'll say, that's fine. Like, I'm fine. He'll say, that's fine. Or he'll tell me next time. I was like, next time. And so I was like, hey, bud, did you, you should hit that jump. And so I literally just was just waiting for him. He's sitting on this thing. I was waiting for him to be like, that's fine, dad. It's fine. Next time. You're like, tell me next time. I was like, dude, you can totally hit it. So I started to like, do it, man. It'll be awesome. You should do it. So I was like, do it, do it. And, uh, and so he's sitting there. And so I was waiting for the next time or the fine. He turns his thing and he slams his gas pedal, turns around and goes back to the front of the jump, hits the jump. I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, you did it. He's like, yeah, yeah. So he hits the jump. He does, I'm like, yeah. And what's awesome for me is to see the thrill of victory in his life. Comes up over the face of that jump and hits it and comes down. He's smiling. He's living the best life. And I'm like, you did it. That was awesome, right? But you know, we do a lot of times what I thought he was going to do. We do the same thing to God. God's looking at the call on our life and he's like, hey, guys do it, do it. you can do it. I'm backing you, I believe in you, I've sent you the Holy Spirit, do it, do it, and a lot of times we go back to God and we say, I'm fine, next time, we do delayed obedience, don't we, we make a pretty excuse for it, and we say, oh dad, next time, I we make this reason, but the thrill is what we miss out on, he got to do the jump, he got to have the full glory, are you with me? the full glory. He got to do the whole thing, right? And that's what God desires for us as our heavenly father. He wants us to do the whole thing, walk in total obedience and, and live that lifestyle. Emmanuel, God with us in our obedience so we can do the whole thing. Do it. That's what I'm telling you. When God calls you to it, do it, do it, do it. That's what we need to come in here and say to each other. Hey, how's it going? How's your week? Are you doing it? Let's do it. 